0: To the area Yanche stamp through chance shot goal! full stop unbelievable scenes at the end for derby
1: goal oh my oh. stuck. <laughs> what the oh. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson.
0: Is this the week we find out why Ryan McGowan wasn't available for selection last week?
1: <laughs> I don't know, well, Ryan McGowan uh, is here. Welcome Come back on. Ryan, how are you doing?
2: Yes, very well, very well. I listened to last week's podcast, and I, like Mark, was a little bit astounded at what he was chatting about, to be honest. It was uh, nothing as exciting as he was making it out to be. Where were you? Oh, I had a few important phone calls that I could not Uh change, Um, and that's um, that's Uh, about as much as I can say at the moment. Oh, still, so seven days on,
0: to... you're still not in a position to, to, to disclose what's, what's next, no?
2: No, no, not, not at the moment. Not at the moment. But. So, well, thanks for joining In the anyway. background, yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> so, cheers, um, I that's, mean, yeah, nothing no about to do. No, thanks, thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers, <laughs> cheers. Cheers, next um, week. Honestly, <laughs> I thought, oh, I, thought
0: I, I honestly, I thought I was messaging, I was messaging the gaffer this morning. Basically, not sure if Gauser was coming on knowing we've got a special guest this week. So I needed, <laughs> I needed to start with something, just in case Gowser didn't show up. So here's a wee scoop for you, boys and girls. A Hearts mm-hmm. scoop. And Ooh, yeah. M- Mr Dunsar now knows, but Mr McGowan doesn't, because he doesn't. So it looks like a Hearts first-team player is on his way to Australia. Aaron McInnes is in talks with Perth Glory. There's a wee exclusive to start Ooh. the show, boys. I would have loved an exclusive about where McGowan's going or potentially going next, but, but we can't get a hold of Ryan McGowan these days when we need to, no. so I have to go to the gaffer and get a story from him. So, Makinev looks like he's off to Oz, Gowser.
2: Yeah, that would be, be good for him. Seems to be a good player. He's just not really gotten that opportunity. and um, Yeah, just a good lifestyle out there. Perth Glory is a good club. So, um, yeah, I'll try and try and see if I can get any more exclusive news for you, but um, I've, that's one that I've not heard of. My Aussie connections have let me down. Oh,
0: well, I suppose the signing of George Grant
2: Laurie means that his place in the pecking
0: order has just gone down, one, one or two.
1: Yeah, I have to say I'm a, a little disappointed if that goes through. Um, I quite liked Aaron McInef. Um, yeah, I, I thought he had a, a lot of ability and a player that we didn't didn't have other players exactly like him. A lot of energy in the middle, box to box, quite often. But with a bit of an attacking eye, unlike you know maybe Kame and and Benny who are more defensive, and Haring who isn't just defensive but isn't that kind of box to box player. So I liked him, and I thought this season we would need as many decent players in that squad as possible. So, but I would get it. You know, we don't know anything beyond the potential move. It could be driven by him. He wants to be guaranteed. Regular is, it it football, is, it, so.
2: is it alone or is it um, permanent? I can't even get
0: where you're going next out of you. So I thought <laughs> giving, I thought the gaffer giving me something. I'm not going to push too hard. Maybe, yeah.
1: Honestly, yeah.
0: We were anyway, talking about t- the, we were we were talking about Murder Hill at, at Gullen. and that's that's part of the reason, Laurie, for the 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 today's guest on on the podcast and how pre-season was back in. In the kind of '80s, and and uh, and how it how it is now. So there's a setup for you.
1: Yes, we do have a, a very um, a very good guest this week who will be joining us shortly, Mister Sandy Clark, former Hearts player and manager. Um, just quickly before then, uh, we got an email during the week, so I just thought I'd quickly go through this. It was from Kelman Chambers, who's a regular listener, um, and he said, "Hey guys, uh, great to have you back. I was lucky enough to watch a few of the sessions at La Cala." And the Europa match. So I thought I'd give you my observations. That's so very good because you know, we had Barry on last week. We touched on it briefly. Um, but most of us only got clips of the a few goals and some highlights from the game and the, the trip over there for Hearts. So um, Kelman says, number one, Forrest was very, very impressive. Like you, I thought he'd be a squad player. But based on what I saw, I'd have him ahead of Gino and Guy McKay-Steven. Um, number two, Connor Smith looked good and could be a very useful player for us this season. So again, that could link in with Mac and F if we feel that Connor Smith can actually step up. Um, Number three, George Grant looks like a find, comfortable on the ball, good passer and always seem to be in space and have time. Four, Lewis Nielsen is a big lad. He's already a decent player, but could mature into a very good player. Uh, Number five, Harry Stone isn't ready yet. He's a good keeper and not far away, but needs to develop his command uh, to, to command his box. Um, and uh, also mentioned um, it turned up to watch and they were very warmly welcomed by Joe, Robbie, Lee and Gordon. They all made time to chat and all the players were happy to to come over and pose for photos. I even appeared on one of the official videos. Um, looking forward to next season and your views um, as the season progresses. Kind regards, Kelman. So thank you very much, Kelman, because I thought that gave some good insight, a few, um, a few yeah. bits of feedback that a lot of us won't be able to to kind of provide at this early stage. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for getting in touch.
0: Delighted to say, as promised, that Sandy Clark, our special guest this week, loads of chat to come about his time, both as a player and as a manager with Hearts. First of all, Sandy, thank you for for doing this for us. It might not have been something you, you ever did because if Hibs had had that bid accepted for you when you were at Airdrie or if Billy McNeil had been successful to sign you for Celtic, you might never even have set foot inside the doors at Tynecastle. How are you?
3: I'm very well, Mark, and uh, you're bringing back memories there already, going to be back to those days. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There was an attempt from Eddie Turnbull, I think I was maybe 20, 21 at Airdrie when uh, they wanted me to go to the but I just had a feeling at that point in time it wasn't the best move in the world, so that never materialised, that's for sure.
0: So lots to talk about um, over the next hour or so, but I think it's pertinent, Sandy, to to start with with some sad news. And Drew Busby, uh, yesterday, the 12th of July, Drew's funeral took place at Cardross Crematorium near Helensborough. And like Sandy, he played at Airdrie, Hearts and Partick Thistle was in his prime at Hearts when Sandy started his career with Airdrie. And he also managed Queen of the South, where you were assistant manager to Alan Johnson. And of course, he was... He was a forward, he was a bit of a cult hero, and um, it's always sad when when anyone, um, when a when a club loses a legend, um, when a family loses a figurehead. But that that one heart, didn't it, Sandy, when, when Drew Busby left us?
3: It did. It was it was a sore one, Mark, I knew Drew really well. And Drew was without a doubt an absolute hero in mean, mine growing up, you know, as a as a as an near fan, you know, as a kid going along to the old Broomfield and watching uh, Busby and Jarvie up front and guys like Derek Whiteford and, you know, uh, Jim Black. uh, You know, so many good players at that time at Airdrie. And Drew Busby, you know, I learned so much from him. I watched him as a player, committed, as you know, but, you know, talented as well. Uh, And and it was only really maybe a couple of years later when I was... uh, Drew actually left to go to Hearts before I went and... To the first team score area before I left school, really. And I was maybe a couple of years into my early career. And at that time, I was I was, I was playing midfield, and Drew was playing kind of midfield for Hearts. And it was a game at Broomfield, uh, and I'll never forget it. Hearts won 5 0, and he kicked lumps out of me within the rules of the game. Fair enough in challenges, but he was so aggressive, so determined and put, a, you know, beside that, you know, as a good player as well, a real uh, talent on the pitch. But he taught me so much. You know, the The, the lesson was if you don't, you know, compete, and Ryan, I know that as, as a player, if you don't compete, then, you know, you're not going to get a chance to show the talent you've got. And that was my early, uh, you know, knowledge of Drew. I met him. For a long time after playing, he actually, at one point when I, when, I, when I lived in Airdrie, he came to the house and he was fitting some security alarms or something at the time. Mm-hmm. He lived in Dunbar at the time in that area, mm-hmm. uh, that's where he came from. But he actually came and did some work for me. And he, 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 was, he was brilliant in doing things like that as well, just committed to it. But I met him years and years after it, at various Hearts events, at games and stuff like that. And I genuinely said to him, you know, my career was decent. I think I did okay in it. I genuinely said to him, you know, I can't believe how good you you were, how committed you were, you know, how you were just a brilliant player. And he, he, he just kind of went, oh, no, don't be silly, and you know that kind of attitude. And, and he genuinely was like that. Humble. But you know, the the, the 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 things I've read about him when he stayed at Hearts, I didn't. I played against him at, at Hearts, I didn't really see him much playing there. But it uh, was it was everything that I know the Hearts supporters loved you know, the commitment and, and playing for the cause and giving it everything I've got. And it he was he you know, his family should be so proud of him. He was he was an incredible person and a and a really good player.
1: Yeah, I mean some some great stats for him, Your 256 competitive appearances, 85 goals. And I was reading some of the some of the words for him from from other people associated with hearts and Scottish football. And you know, Guy McKay actually echoes some of the things he said there, he's someone who grew up watching the hearts team with Busby in it. And he said, if, if you didn't know what hearts was about when drew Busby played, then he epitomized that he was idolized. He was also so unassuming. He had no kind of ego, none whatsoever. He actually couldn't relate to why the hearts fans held him in such high esteem. Busby had something every hearts fan loved. Um, some other ones. I mean, it was I quite liked on the, from the, the club website in 2018, when he was inducted into the hall of fame, it said, Hart suffered a number of hammer blows during the mid 70s, but Drew Busby was a light at the end of the tunnel and he always made it worthwhile coming along to Tynecastle Castle, despite the setbacks. Uh, one from Scott Wilson as well. He said, the great Drew Busby sadly passed away this morning and the Hart's family has lost another legend, one of the most humble ever men I've ever met, and I was honoured to be classed as a friend. My thoughts and prayers are with his family. R.I.P. Drew and um, you know, very sadly, he was only 74 when he passed away on the 1st of July. And I think the outpouring we've seen on, on social media and in the press just uh, sums up how much of a legend he was to, to all of the heart's support.
0: OK, Sandy Clark. Heart of Midlothian footballer, heart of Midlothian manager, 30 grand supposedly. That's what you cost when Alex McDonald signed. How did the move come about from Ranger Sandy?
3: Uh, it was 35 grand,
0: Mark. This, <laughs> sure you that Liz, Liz, Liz has spent <laughs> the other five grand, your wife.
2: <laughs> <She's already
3: spent. laughs> the, it, it was a. Uh, you know, just the way football football works. My my career went from from a young player at Airdrie, where you know I was a part-time player till I was twenty-five. So I know what it's like to work in the the real world, nine to five, and then go and train at night time and and play at the weekend. But there was a lot of clubs at that time in the seventies. That was the the kind of way it was. Uh, you know, eventually, like, you know that. But you're talking a about. I kind of went to Celtic, Aberdeen, Hibs. There was a lot of clubs interested by me, but it was the the dark ages when there wasn't any uh, you know, freedom of contract. And I remember signing signing for Airdrie at seventeen on a professional contract, left when I was twenty-five and never signed another contract in between. They just retained you and paid, not not paid what you like rather they wanted to, but just kept paying you along and give you a little bit more every year. And and that that's that's just the way it was. So I, I didn't really have any say about, you know, where I could go or where I couldn't go. But eventually Airdrie relented and I went to West Ham and you know, enjoyed my time there. Come back and played with Rangers. Loved my time there. But ended up, you know, going to Hearts at a time when, you know, I had a bit of an injury at Rangers, just a kind of groin, pelvic injury that that, that kind of curtailed me for a bit. And you know, I was out of the team at Rangers a little bit, and I, I found it hard to get back in. And we Doddy and Sandy Jardine were, were in charge at Hearts, and and uh, you know, they obviously seen something in me, and and said to me, "Come on, you fancy it." And at, at that time, I thought. Well, why not? I'm not playing here. Mm. So it took a bit of a wage, got a bit of a risk, and uh, we weren't paid a lot anyway, to be fair at that time. But uh just went for it and, and it was really one of the, the best moves I ever did. You know, that you know, we're talking about Drew earlier, the, the the kind of connection with the fans. You know, I have I've found that over the years the you know hearts the, the biggest strength you can ever talk about the hearts the a football club is the fan base because they're they're incredible how they get behind the club and, and I don't know if it was just my style maybe a little bit like Drew get stuck in and you know gave it sleeves up and everything you had and And I kind of tried to play like that from the start and I was there for 10 years and I loved every bit of it. It was a a really good time in in my life and my career. It's a
0: good point about the fans because if you got off to a quick start, they can really get behind you and it can be tough if you don't. But when you score on your debut, like you did at Morton, Smith, Kidd, Whitaker, Jardin, McDonald, Levine, Park, Robertson, Clark, Bone and Black, you got off to the perfect start and it was a side that had a... It had a spine that was both hardy but also experienced. And as you, you kind of, as we'll go on to talk about with 85, 86, it, it was, it was interesting that the, the team and the squad that Alex put together back then, wasn't it? Because those players that I've just mentioned from your debut at Morton, a lot of experience in there, a lot of hardy bastards in there, a lot of good players.
3: Yeah, absolutely. the. Uh, I remember I game well and, uh, you know, you're, you're right what you say about experience and my biggest memory of that game, it, it's, uh, you know, Jimmy Bowen and I played up front and uh, Jimmy was a bit older than me uh, and getting towards the end of his career. We Robo was playing kind of off the front a little bit, just the way that, that Mark, uh, that, uh, Alec and, and Sandy wanted to play. And I'll, I'll never get, forget, it. it was at Green and Water at Capolo and it was, you know, it was wet, it was mud. It was, you know, and I look, Jimmy both and I are running about all over the place, getting stuck in and tackles and we're, we're black with the, 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 uh, the, the pitch, the dirt off the pitch, etc. And this wee guy, Robertson's running behind us, and his white shorts are still white. You know, he's never had a kick in the game. And honestly, I'll, I'll never forget it. He's never had a kick in the game. I've, I've scored two, I think put, it was two one up. They, they equalised two each and within maybe 10 minutes to go or something you know, Robert stole not a mark on him but the ball comes to the edge of the box touch, hit, goal, finish three points and that sums up John Ross right in the first time I played with him he was just a kid he was only really young but his, 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 uh, his strengths were, weren't running about he kept saying to me years years and years after you just run back there with that field back and I'll just stay up here and when get me the ball I'll score a goal and, and he, he, you know, he did it time after time after time. And that debut game for me was a 3-2 win at Morton. And it was a great start. And uh, my memories, me and Jimmy, the experienced players who, you know, knew a wee bit more about the game, uh, working their socks off and the wee man just kind of strolling about and gets all the glory, scoring the goal. And brilliant, great
1: memory. Though we sometimes go down, we can I go back up. Um, obviously, words every Hearts fan knows well. And it was pretty pertinent back then because... Hearts, yeah. we're a little bit of a yo-yo team. End of the seventies, start of the eighties. Um, when you joined in nineteen eighty-four, when Alex McDonald brought you into the club, were there any signs about what was happening and what 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 might be what you might be building towards within two or two years? Uh,
3: uh, very much there, Laurie. The the, the foundation uh, for a start. Alex McDonald, and Sandy Jardin, you, You're talking about top top players in the game. Uh, knew the game inside out, incredible careers, uh, mainly at Rangers, obviously. But they, you know, they were at Hearts for a reason. They wouldn't have been there if there wasn't a a plan, a, you know, a, a you know, a development to, to see where the club was going. As you know better than me, you know the the size of hearts, the size they can be, the the the, the fan base that's that's there. And Alec and Sandy were what they had, you know, I remember, you know, going to hearts at that time. And we, daft things, right? I'll tell you, like, professionalism uh, and kit was a great one. If you were last in in the morning, you get the worst pair of shorts with holes in them for training. And socks with holes in them because that was it. That's all you had. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of money about it at that time. But they, they, they developed a bond, uh, Alec and Sandy, among, because the they, they brought in good good players obviously but good people football people who knew were how important it was to have a, a solid dressing room that was joined together and and everybody was was you know in, in the, the the same pathway I like that to great young players about the place like Gary McKay, John Robertson David Bowman uh, Scott Scott I remember being the ground staff looking after my boots and when I went there at first and you know you you, you could sense right away that the, the something happening there was good good players there there was a great work commitment uh, you know from the, the, the football side Alex Sandy and Walter Bothwick and John Benny, you know the, the all the kind of staff that were there coaching wise were all really knowledgeable of the game they knew what they wanted to achieve and George uh, McNeil and Bert Logan were uh, you know our, our, you would call them sports scientists this day uh, but they were the guys who came and got us fit you know in the gym and got us on the, the track and running and there was a sense of something, you know, that was going to happen. And 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 give it credit to, to Alec and Sandy again, because, you know, I've been in coaching and management for a hell of a long time now. And the secret, the hardest part of the job, and I hear lots of people saying it now, is getting the right recruitment. If you sign good people, good players, you get a chance of being a good team. If you sign bad people, average players, then you don't go far. And Alec and Sandy were absolutely brilliant at picking out players and bringing them into the club and, and, and taking that big step forward, which without a doubt, you know, they, they did uh, at, that, at that time.
1: In 85-86 then, at the start of the season, did did, did you think? You
3: need know to mention did you it.
1: Could, yeah, did, did you think <laughs> that you could win the title at the start of the season?
3: No, not, not a thought. We I, I remember... My uh, memory, you know, Donkey will keep his right about about some of the fights. Maybe, but we didn't have a, the best of starts to the season. I think we lost five two St. Martin early on six in the two, season, and, you, and you're thinking, "Sorry, man, six two. Was it six two? Was it? I knew you keep me right, <laughs> uh, but the it was just a bad day, and 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 you thought. You know, what's you know how's the season going to be? You know, but but you know again back back to the, you know the management team and 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 the group of players that were there. You know, we 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 got onto the training ground, worked hard, which we're doing anyway. And we turned the corner quite a bit and went on an amazing run. I can't remember how many games it was, but but it was an incredible uh, spell where you know we just kept going and you know winning a game, winning a game, drawing a game, didn't lose for a long, long, long time uh, until that last game of the season. But uh, we really came from from with no right to be to be where we were. You know, at that point in time, Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, Dundee United, they were the 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 big Fish in the league at that point, they had the, the international players. I don't think we had one international player in their team. I know Henry maybe played, and you know, one or two later further down the line played, but at that point in time, we, we really didn't have anybody. And uh, those other teams that I mentioned had you know the, the top players in it, but we, we had uh, and there was, a lot of them to be honest with you were they, they were better players than we had, as in football ability, they weren't better, as in how hard they worked and how close they were as a group. We had we had an incredible bond as a as a group of players, you know, on and off the pitch, and uh, that that kept us right. And, and it was it was such a huge effort. And I think I, I don't know how many players we used in the season, but I would say that we had about we had our starting team and maybe three other players round about the squad, and that's that's everybody more or less that we used the whole season. And it was just such a pity that we couldn't get the ice and in the, in the cake, and, and you know, and get something in that last game. But it was a it was a tremendous achievement from a, from a team who, if you're a betting man, you would you know you you know we'd made high odds to to win the league, uh, and to get to become so close was was incredible. And as I say, it, it still it still hurts me now trying to think about that last day in Dundee. It was horrible.
2: Andy, see how you said there, you know, the work ethic and, you know, you, yours are all sort of hardy bastards besides Robbo. Where do you think <laughs> that came from? Because a lot of fans and punters seem to think that that's a given or should be a given, but haven't been around the game, it's not. You know, you get the players that don't like doing yeah. that. Do you think you're yeah. sort of, you, you know, you said you didn't go full-time to 25. Do you think that was a, a big part of sort of that style of play you had? Or do you feel that that's kind of now left the game? If you look at, you know, players these days, that's not really... Yeah. Something that they look at. You think that was more of a that the times back then.
3: Yeah, it's 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 different times, Ryan. There's no doubt about that. It was more, and, and you know you're saying about Robbo. You know, I, I'm, I'm having a joke about Robbo, but the wee man when he had to do, it, he did it. There's no doubt, and he got mm-hmm. the goal. So that you know, and he did work a little bit. at time, So well, well, I don't I don't want him on the phone giving me stack. <laughs> but the I think I think that that group that we had what what we had was a, a hunger. You know, I don't think NES had really, you know, won a lot uh, in our careers. And w- there was a, a closeness and a hunger amongst them that, you know, the the, the longer we kept ga- going and getting results, then, uh, you know, the, the, the more we can of uh, stuck to it. And it was it, it just kind of carried on and carried on. But in comparison to nowadays, we, our, our, our wages at, heart's, at that point we're, were frightening, you know, how, how poor it was. Uh, but in comparison to a lot of clubs, not not just Hearts, obviously, but the uh, at the time it was more it was more you know again back to the manager signing the right type of people. And and sometimes yeah. you get lucky and you, you get a group that that you know it just it just kinda and it kinda yes. works for. Because as I said, we, we we had we had this spirit on the pitch, uh, you know, like like Robbo and, and uh, you know, John Cahoon would have played with John as well, which was a bit later on. But, but we had a, a situation where if, you know, they were getting kicked about, messed about, then we had one or two or three or four players in their team who would kick back harder than them and look after them. And that, that kind of winning mentality, you know, on the pitch and supporting each other. We had that off the pitch as well, to be fair, because we really did know how to, how to socialise as well, I've got to say. <laughs> but the, the two worked in really well. And has it changed nowadays? I think I think the top players, Ryan. And you'll know you're closer to it than me. The top players, like, uh, really know how to motivate themselves, and they're not motivated by money. I, I remember, you know, two or three years back, I was actually working on Fairlie, and Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson came to the game, and he tried to sign me for Aberdeen. Uh, you know, that spell at Airdrie way back, and you know, Airdrie wouldn't let me go because of the freedom of contract thing, I, I lack of. But I remember speaking to him and saying to him. Going to explain to me what you know, why or how you get guys earning fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty grand a week. How do you get them motivated to play on a Saturday? And he summed it up dead quick. He said, "You got to get ones that are hungry to be the best. They want to be the they want to earn the most. They want to be the best player on the pitch. They want to be recognised with the media as being the best." And and again, back to that recruitment aspect. If you get that bit right, get the right ones in it. I'm sure like everybody else, you didn't get them all right. But guys like Wayne Rooney you know, earning the fortune. You can't tell me he never, you know, put it about in the pits. And right, you, you'll, you'll know now that the, you, you could, I'm sure, can tell me a lot of players that, you know, who really give it everyone a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's others who just through the motions a little bit, oh, yeah, just, you know, quite happy to take the money and run.
2: But do you think that was like the manager that implemented that? Or was, like you said, just the group in terms of yeah. you were all just, if you were the odd one out, if you didn't work hard type thing? Yeah,
3: yeah but you, you weren't allowed not to work hard. You know, yeah. as I said, Robbo was a wee bit of an exception, but anybody that came into your team, if you didn't need to take part of the workload, then you know, you you, you got you, the manager didn't need to say anything. Yeah, the players would do it.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
3: You know, guys like 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 Neil Berry, Kenny Black, Gary McKay, Brian Whittaker, go rest them. You know, the, the Roddy McDonald who was in the United squad, Craig Levine, Walter Kidd, brilliant captain. You know, there is if you look through all those players. There isn't one of them who wouldn't get their sleeves up and get stuck in. Gary Mackay was maybe a wee bit different. Gary Mackay wasn't the the most physical, hardest player you'll ever see, but a really talented, creative, attacking midfield player who would score goals and make goals. Gary didn't want to really uh, fight with people and stuff like that, but he knew we would do that for him and other people who weren't just as talented. And, and Neil Berry, and don't take that the wrong way, Neil did a magnificent job for us as a, whole, as a whole, modern holding midfield player who just won the ball and passed it 10 yards. Anybody that was messing about with Gary McKay, Neil Berry would fix them. And that's mm-hmm. that's the teamwork that we had. We knew what we were good at and knew what each other was good at. And uh, just, you know, back to be Doddy as well, without a doubt, he, he recruited well. Uh, it's about how, uh, how everybody works together. And I'm giving Armidale lots of praise and because after I left Hearts, which, you know, I was really disappointed when he left, but he went to Airdrie, took Airdrie to cup finals. So, you know, you, you can't ever say how, you know, you can't say he wasn't a good manager Was he was It seems interesting you
0: talk about the team spirit of, of the group that you were with, but we're on 85-86 right now and, You'll know, Sandy, and I know, knowing both Craig Levine and Gary Mackay, it wasn't until Craig did a recent podcast called Sacked in the Morning on BBC, which is a really good listen, that he basically said, I hate Gary Mackay. I have always hated Gary Mackay. He said, I just don't like him as a person. He said, but when we played for Hearts, when we pulled the jersey on, I didn't have to socialise with him away from that. It's like anybody at work. He said, but I'm not going to not pass to him for for the sake of that. So Levine had Colquhoun... What a kid had Gary Mackay. What kind of group were you in in that kind of squad?
3: You know, getting back to what you're saying about, about Craig and, and Gary, I know I know there's an issue there. It's been there for a long time, and for the life of me, I can't remember. For as something at some point, it might be one or two things. I don't know. They might be just personalities weren't great. But at the time when we were playing, I, I wasn't aware of it. And if there had been an issue, then I would have. Being aware of it, uh, but I know personally, I tried to you know spoke to the chairman at different times years and years ago. I said, "Listen, grow up, come on, it's, it's, it's in the past, otherwise, let's go on." But they just couldn't get it worked out between them, and that's up to them. But but the 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 kind of group the, the groups the, the 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 best way I can describe the groups is we had a two groups at Hearts at that point in time, and I would call them the older group and the younger group. The guys like you know myself, Kid uh, Brian Whittaker Rodney McDonald, Henry Smith. Uh, we were the, the, and the older one, and then you had like Robo and Gary. Craig was just a young lad. Uh, Kenny Black was a young lad. David Bowman when he was there. Scott Crab. You know all the, the younger ones. The, the, if we went on a, on a night out. Then, which we did quite a lot, and and we Doddy encouraged us to go quite a lot, and he he was the leader. I've got to say, when we went out, which was brilliant, and Sandy would stay sober and look after everybody, which was absolutely brilliant because there was never any hassle. Uh, but we would go out as a group and we would be all together and we would be good company with each other. But as as any time you're on a you know a kind of group night out, you, eventually as the night goes on, there would be a split. And the split was was dead simple. It was the older guys going one way and the younger guys going the other way. But there wasn't a split in the group. If you know what mm-hmm. I mean, it was just the younger ones were wanting to do certain things and the older guys were wanting to do maybe something a bit different. Mm. And that's all it was. And it, it was it was a uh, you know th- th- there wasn't any cliques. That's what I'm trying to say. There wasn't any. There was a lot of, a lot of friendship, a lot of real friendship between between players, which still happens now. But there was, there was never any kind of divide, clique, that kind of thing. within that. Your group. first
0: competitive goal of 85-86, it wasn't a bad one. You got the winner nine minutes from time against Hibernian. But it was games at home against Rangers that season that I want to talk about because you had a really good record. 16th of November, you scored twice. Robble got the other one. Hearts beat Rangers 3-0. You scored with your sock on one foot and your boot on the other <laughs> in the march. But there was a game of Scottish Cup tie. It was the first ever Scottish Cup tie I watched in person at Timecastle And having you on just now, I just want a quick word about this. Because I worked for many years with someone you know and love, Craig Patterson. And one day <laughs> I was telling him about this game against Rangers, this Scottish Cup tie in January 1986, a cold day with whatever. And he's like, I don't remember too much about that one. So Hearts won 3-2. Sandy Clark and Craig Patterson, honestly, it was the most horrible clash of heads. And you had to go off and were replaced by Colin McAdam, who scored the equaliser. And Craig went off, was replaced by Bobby Russell. But I asked Craig about that many years ago when we were at Radio Four together, Sandy, and he's like, that bugger, Sandy Clark, his head's made of granite. In fact, <laughs> we were in the changing room afterwards. He wanted to go back on, not after the game, but when, they got, when you got taken off. You wanted to play on. According to Craig, he was like, I'd had enough because i just smashed Sandy's head. Do you remember the game where you concussed and did you want to go back on the field against Rangers?
3: I was, I remember it vividly. Uh, yeah, it's strange, it was obviously around about Christmas, it was January, I think it was then. Ah, uh, January twenty fifth. Uh, honestly, Ryan will appreciate this. The pitch was frozen solid. Yeah. You could you played with trainers on. It was one of the, those ones you could not get a stud on it. Nowadays there's no danger. The game's off, absolutely no danger. And the, the, you know that was just the way Scottish football was at the time. You played in that, and you played in the mud heap at you know the end of the season as well. And that's that's just the way it was. But that's my, my first memory of it. The I, I you know I, I've re- continually refused to have my head shaved. I haven't got a lot of hair, <laughs> uh, I continually refused to get my head shaved because. I must have 20 scars on my head. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you're laughing at stupidity, honestly. <laughs> As you go older, you go, why did I do that? But you just, you know, I had brilliant, you know, uh, confrontations a are, 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 uh, competition against really good players. Alan I'll tell you about it in a minute. But, uh, it was just the way it was. it was, just the way I was taught and you get, you get stuck in, it was silly. But it's a challenge in the box with, with, with Craig Parson and myself and the two, I, I think, I don't know who headed the ball, who headed each other, but I, I was without a doubt, you know, unconscious and you know all the rules now. I wouldn't have played for a month probably the way the rules are now, not allowed to with, with doctors, but, uh, you know, I've I, like a hole in the front of my head, uh, just, just above my hairline, thankfully. <laughs> and Craig was cut at the side, he said, and, you know, Doc Melvin, who who was a a long, long time. My magnificent man, he, he was, he was <laughs> Getting back to you, Ryan, as, as in playing the game, he, he must have stitched me 15 times. You know, maybe two stitches at a time, three stitches at a time. And his hand shaked all the time. It was, yeah.
1: it was, he was putting the
3: stitches in. And, and he said, "I'm like, Doc, are you all right there, Ryan? He says, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he was, he was brilliant. he got there, he was just a wee bit, just the way he was, but Doc was, was probably a big part of that group at, at the time. And uh, so he sticks at me, and I've got right. Come on, let's go. I'll, I'll be back on. But we'd we made the substitution because he's seen it. It was a. Uh, was like, hold. Oh, there's no way I could go back on to be fair. But I did want to go back on. But as I said, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit silly the things you do. But I've, I've reached sixty five, and i no. I've, <laughs> I've still got a bit of memory, so I'm hoping it's not caused me too many problems. <laughs> but we won the game three two, and that was the important thing at the time. I remember playing the next Saturday. We played at Clyde Bank. I'm sure it was. Right. And uh, right. we have we have round my head playing. Mad. You scored the equalizer four minutes for time as well. It was some goal, by the way. a was
1: quite apt talking about um about your your physical approach there. Andy Morris actually mentioned he gave us a message saying, um, "What did you say or do to the goalies of that era, i.e., Campbell Money, etc., to make them shit themselves every time they went?" Well, oh, Sandy yeah, yeah. Campbell
0: Campbell Money was a, a, a nervous fucking wreck. There was one game that you played. He got subbed. I think Neil Cooper went on because you leathered him in the first ten minutes. Why?
3: That's it was within the rules of the game at the Put time. a marker <laughs> down, <weren't you>? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a, uh, it was, it was just you could, you know, I know that I know that it's still a contact sport, and I think I think nowadays the game is is better in so many ways. Uh, but you could you could challenge a little bit more in, in, in my day, and uh, Campbell Money was one who uh, unfortunately got on the end of a few. But honestly, never a fail. I, I know it sounds daft, but all you're doing is having a presence and challenging for the ball, and you know you win the ball a lot of times and goalkeepers just got on waiting. that was it but <laughs> poor Campbell I remember that game where he went off I don't know if he was I think we were winning Shino after about 15 minutes at Tyne Castle so I think he probably just wanted off anyway but <laughs> he, went, he went off in that game and it was uh, I think it was Neil Cooper who went in goal I think it was a Scott uh, Scottish Cup Sunday was it not? Scottish Cup it was well done Monday. Sunday so I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm now thinking of uh, <laughs> Alan Ruff his time at Hibs he just didn't bother coming off his line yeah, I, was going, I got to that stage where, and Ruffin does his after dinner speaking. There's no mark, he's, he's on the circuit, and he's, a, he's a great lad. He's funny, but he just went, nah, nobody anywhere near that. And he could just header it. And try, I'll, I'll try and say that after he headed it, uh, so I can remember that well. We in it, and there was a few like that, to be fair. Was there anyone
2: before a game that you used to think, I'm going to get right at him? You know, centre backs or goalkeepers that. Yeah, you know, I think Kevin Kyle spoken a couple of times that he used to, you know, look at the team sheet and then work out which centre back that he would bully. Almost was that something that you used to do before the game? Think I'm going to take this one, or I've got a chance yeah. like that to to you know put a little bit of a marker on the goalkeeper and see how he reacts
3: to that. And got yeah, in name for I think, nah, you're right, Ryan. You, you know that yourself, when you're playing. You, you know the ones that you'll get the better of, but uh, you know the, the the way I play, I I don't think you know I hardly had any. Red cards in my career. Very, very few. A, a few caution. I'd never had a disciplinary record at all. But you know, back to the game was definitely more competitive. Then you could get closer to people and and you know, really, you know, get in about them. Uh, but that works two ways. You know, the position you play, Ryan. You you, you know, you you'll know when you can you kind know, of have a go at people as well. So uh, the the but you would you would pick the weaker one. Without a doubt, and the one that you know is going to crumble a little bit and try and play on him, and then you get the benefit of that. But that, that was—that's you want to call it tactics. That's tactics, isn't it? You just you know when you're when yes. you're going to get that joy. But at the time, we you know Hearts Aberdeen had a, I mentioned Alec McLeish earlier. The there was there was a, a fair bit of rivalry between. Uh, Wally Miller Alec McLeish and, and me and one or two others on the other team that that go, go back to the six in the cup final where Wally Kid was sent off and I think Wally Miller had quite a bit to do with that at the, at the well, time Wally, you know, Wally was a referee again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah exactly and uh, I remember that day having a right re- re- go at Wally Miller and you know for the next year or so uh, Aberdeen Hearts games I used to try and smash into Wally you know, I'm no, I'm no kidding you on. I just, just like, you weren't a fear with that. And Big Alec McLeish, who, who was the nicest guy in the world, Big Alec was like, Sandy, come on, stop it. You, you need, it. stop doing that. I went, Wally, like, hey, you know why it's happening. You know, fine, well, like, just shake his head guy. all right. But, so, uh, Wally, to be fair, he's a brilliant player. Uh, you know He, 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 you know, he kind of took it and, and did what he was good at Which was was Being a good defender And a good player And just got on with it Whereas I might have reacted Different if it'd been another way around But I'm talking about His, 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 his teammate Alec MacLeese Big Alec and I Talked about getting Stitches and and head knocks I think every time I played against, played against Big Alec One of his Good stitches have, You know Cuts <laughs> in the head And whatever else He just made it off And got <laughs> on with it You know Blood down your shirt And your face And whatever else And just got on with it But it, the at the time, it's different now for where you are, Ryan. That big Alec and I just get stuck in each other. Didn't they try to harm each other? Just both wanted to win and took the consequences if you were coming off second best at times. Without and on really well, games finished brilliant, absolutely no hassle whatsoever. It was just, it was just, it was more physical, and it, it was you know you you get away with it. not away with it, an awful lot more. The the rules were different. Yeah,
1: yeah. You mentioned eighty six, so I'll. I'll jump to two people messaged about this. So Stevie Morris uh, mentioned uh, when you got brought down in the area against Dundee, what words of wisdom did you share with referee Bill Crombie? Um, And Stephen W. also mentions this game and said, um, if you hadn't slipped early doors at Dens Park and scored, do you think we would have won that day and won the league in 85 and 86? A...
3: You never say never the, I, I can't really remember Slim To once honest you, Lord, for, which, uh, which I'm not saying Never happened But I, I can't really you probably remember concussed
1: happened. Again <laughs> <laughs> He
3: remembers He remembers the chip But he doesn't remember Slipping <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> 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 right. Remember the good bits, right? Yeah, Selective memory, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the the day at Dens Park, you know, I, I, st- I honestly still I, I get asked lots and lots of times about it, and I've been controversial about it because of what happened at at St uh, uh which I, I still I still stick to, no, what I believe happened. But the the game the game at, at Dens Park is that the Scott Wilson view. Colin Henry uh, you know takes me out in the penalty box it's a stonewall penalty and Bill Crombie's the referee and it wasn't until years after it that I knew Bill was a, was a Hearts fan and I think Bill was put in a, an incredibly awkward difficult position where uh, you know nine times out of ten you get the penalty there's absolutely no doubt about it and I think Bill was given it overcompensating going I'm a Hearts fan I can't be seen to be beneficial to them and overthought it and did give it, and apparently it was only three or four days earlier. I think it was Eddie Thompson, maybe who should have been the referee who called off for some reason, and and Bill was called into the game. And I'm not saying you know there's a fair chance we Robb would have scored apparently because he was really good at them, and there's a fair chance that would have relaxed us and we might have won the league. But but we didn't. That, the bottom line is we didn't. And you know we, you know when it comes to it, it's, you can only look at your own team performances and say if we picked up one more point somewhere, we would have won the league. But but the facts are we didn't. But that 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 factor in the game could have been absolutely massive. It was early in the game, but it could have been absolutely massive. That could have changed the whole thing. But we'll never know.
1: We had John Cahoon on um, just last year, and we spoke about this game, and and you could hear it in his voice that it still it still hurts him to this day. Uh, what happened, and and the fact that obviously he couldn't get over the line. Does it still does it still eat at you at all what happened in May nineteen eighty
3: six? hundred percent. I don't think I'll ever go away. I honestly I honestly get emotional about it because it was it was so so close and did we deserve it? You know, if if it's if it's a marathon the, the winner deserves to, to be the winner and, and, and Celtic, you know, got got you know, got there before us. Uh, but it was you know, it was, it was so so hard to take and it's only in time going by that you start to really go, you know, what would it have been like to be a player for Hearts that won the, the league, the, the top league in Scotland at that time and, it, you know, would have been an incredible achievement. And it's only later on when you when you think, you know, I've, I've been coach-manager, you know, for 30 years now, that... Uh, I put myself and we in wee Doddy and Sandy's shoes. And how did how the hell did they handle it? Individually, we're feeling it. They they appear especially as a management team who are incredibly good and, and you describe them as they, they they deserved it. How the hell did they feel? And it must have been horrendous for them. It was horrendous for everybody. You still see the pictures the you know, Hearts fans crying in the pitch and, and everything else. It was it was really hard to take. But uh, you know, it's it's football and it's the way it happens and it's, uh, it's one we'll never forget. So so please don't ask me again, right? <laughs>
1: okay. Well, Steve, Stephen, Stephen W. also said, how did you get motivated for the cup final after Dens? Well,
3: I, th- I think the fact that we were going to play in the cup final, uh, I think that at the time and only at the time after the game, that was a salvation. You know, we're saying to each other, come on, we've got it next week. We can make it happen next week. So that was that softened the blow a little bit, not for long to be fair, because you know it's time goes by, it you know gets worse and worse. But I I think there was you know it took a lot is that that uh, that day, and the, the, you know we didn't have a big squad and there was one or two, you know injuries and illness on that day as well, which didn't help. But the we went into the game the next week, and if I'm being hundred percent honest, I, I, I touched on it earlier. If you looked at the Aberdeen team that played us in the cup final and the Hearts team, and you look at the players like for like through the two squads. On paper, we didn't have a chance. There were, they were, you know, there were they were better players than us. But that had been the case lots of times that season. And because of, you know, I'm saying about the spirit and the togetherness and getting stuck in, and you know, all the all those bits, you know, in the league games, we managed to get there. But I think the the, the blow at, at Dense Park certainly had a you know a psychological effect a little bit on on their performance that day and and Aberdeen won out you know, they deserved to win the, the cup final, there's absolutely no doubt about that.
2: Don't take offence to this, but take us into the dressing room after. Was it anger, was it disbelief, was it silence? What was the overriding emotion in Den's Park change room once that was sort of gone?
1: Was it people uh, throwing you- stuff
2: about? Was it anger? Was it you know, disappointment at, you know, you were so close or, you know, how was that feeling in there?
3: Uh, the disappointment's the, the, the best one, Ryan. There was no anger. There was no anger because, you know, I, I think we were overachieving big time. So uh, disappointment was there. It was pushing a little bit by, you know, the following week. Uh, but hugely disappointed. Nobody fighting and arguing. And I think the, the reason for that was you know, I've I've been in changing rooms and I've been, I've only ever been, you know, one side of it, to be fair, where you, you look at somebody that's in your team and and I'm, I'm not talking about that, day you know, not for one second, that you look at players that have played in your team and you know they haven't given it what they could. They've not given you everything they've got and, you know, that that's, that's horrible. But we did not have that anywhere because everybody gave it everything they had for the manager, for the club, for each other uh, on on that day, that season, the whole season we did that. And, uh, you know, we, we, we won a lot of games because, of, you know, pure effort and commitment uh, and fighting spirit. But it was hugely disappointing and it was a, a, a numb feeling is probably a better way of putting it. Where, you know, where did it go wrong? I remember, I remember actually going out with, with Rory McDonald, No, that's the wrong word. Meeting Roddy at night. It was in one of our houses actually, and we just got absolutely pissed out our brains on the Saturday night just to try to forget about it. And then Big Roddy started telling me about, oh, I won the league with Celtic, and if it if wasn't so big, I'd rattled them, You know, <laughs> that's the last <laughs> thing I wanted to hear. It, it was just, just, this the way it was, and I, I'm not sure what the rest of the guys did. There was no celebration, no nights out, no, you know, being together just get home and, and, and trying to deal with it and it, it was you know it's absolutely horrible. How do you how do you do that? How mm. do you try to try to do that when you know when it's been so so close. But disappointment's the best way the changing room is quiet, Ryan, right? really quiet, because I think everybody kind of knew we'd given it our best shot and were disappointed because nobody made mistakes. Did we bring the referee for not giving a penalty? Not at that point in time, because you don't you haven't looked back on it, you've not seen the, the video pictures of it or anything like that, you know.
0: Two people in particular, I want to talk about the relationship you have with them now, and they were to do with that day. John Brown called you a diver when you should have had a penalty. Tony Fitzpatrick um, was involved with St Mirren, um, and he didn't like uh, some of your comments that Saints didn't exactly bust a gut that day. What's your relationship like now with John Brown and Tony Fitzpatrick?
3: Absolutely fine. No issue. John Brown was playing for Dundee that day. And uh, John Brown, I, I think, I think. Was it was it just after that? I think Harts tried to sign him and he failed the medical at the Hearts. not just right, yep. play 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 for Rangers and be absolutely brilliant. So whoever, mm-hmm. whoever did the medical at Harts <laughs> they didn't get it quite right. But uh, Bomber Bomber is sticking up for his team in Dundee, saying that I don't think I I wouldn't really know how to dive. This you know is the, would they would be <laughs> my nature. And Bomber just kind of saying i oh, shut your face. It's sheer grapes you get beat so on me. And I get that I get that. And him and I discussed that, which is fine. Tony Fitzpatrick's another lad I've, I've known for 40-odd oh, years. And uh, Tony, great player, great job at Samaritan, connected to that club, that's his team. Tony, I would never point the finger at him at all, but I've said it before, and, and I'm not I'm I'm not good about it. But it doesn't matter. I don't care what anybody says. There was a lot of uh, Celtic fans in that Samaritan team. And, and Ryan will tell you this as well. You go out in a pitch, and you can try, and you can really try. Really try is giving it everything you've got that we did at Hearts that year. Trying is, you can begin through the motions a wee bit and not really, you know, pushing yourself right to the edge. And they said, my players, for me, some of them, some of them, that was that was the case. And I, I don't want to be dramatic about it because it's been covered before and and I'll, I'll just never change my mind on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. You had a great career as a player with, with well, throughout your career, but at, at Hearts as well, 165 competitive games and and 40 goals it's just a, it was a bastard wasn't it that game against Meadowbank Thistle at Brockville in August 1988 when the Achilles had, had snapped but it wasn't just then you kind of knew uh, ahead of the start of the previous season didn't you that you were starting to feel that Achilles
3: yeah it was it was a it was an ongoing issue for me and it's one of the ones that, you know, again, you're, you're in a situation at that time, money-wise, We you know, we didn't earn tons of money. And, you know, but hearts a really good bonus money. So, you you know, to, to to make a decent wage, you you know, it made a big difference if you were on the pitch and you won the game and you got the bonus. And the only way you get the bonus is to be on the pitch. So I played through, not not for the money, but, you know, you wanted to play every game you could and whatever else. But I played for a while with, you know, an ongoing Achilles Tightness problem, and uh, Alan Ray, Alan Ray, the physical. Alan, Alan was brilliant trying to help. And Malcolm and Nicol eventually the surgeon who did the operation. I'd, I'd been to him and had a, you know, I, I think had three cortisone injections over a long period of time to try to kind of help the injury. And it got to the stage that that this this again, right? You'll you'll get this as a as a player stupidity of the highest order. We play on a Saturday after the game. Alan Ray would put my ankle in plaster right you know, like you would get at the hospital and I stayed in plaster to the Wednesday took it off trained Thursday Friday played Saturday <laughs> plaster Saturday night wow I've known better things getting plastered by Saturday night than <laughs> <laughs> a better way of doing it but That you know, you did that, and I did that for a for a period of time. And again, you you just wouldn't happen nowadays. It's just just the wrong road to go down. Because
0: uh, yeah, Sandy, you wanted to play that when you did your your Achilles at Brockville against Meadowbank. That was the season Hearts had that UEFA Cup run. And I was reading a a story that you were hopeful maybe put the operation off until after the game against St. Pat's, but you didn't end up playing any of those for Cup games, and never played for Hearts competitively again. Yeah, that... that so you missed the European Yes, it,
3: it was so, so disappointing. In, in hindsight, it's dead easy, you know, you you, you don't do the, some of those things. But the that's all, the, the injury part, again, it's... it's You know, I wasn't used to getting a lot of injuries. It wasn't, you know, just... Yeah, yeah I was quite lucky with that. Uh, but I remember playing play at Brockville against the pack and, and uh, you know, as a striker... You know, the ball's played over the top, down the inside left channel, and I turned to run to get the ball. And I ran maybe 10, 15 yards and then just collapsed. And I'm looking around for, to see who's kicked me. There's no there. It's all uh, right. You know, it's funny looking back on it now, but, you know, it was, it was as if somebody just kicked me, but, you know, just my killings just dropped him, And, and uh, that was kind of the end of playing, you know, as you say, for the first team at heart. Mm. We won the game, though. That was the most important thing. <laughs>
1: so you returned to hearts after having obviously retired from from playing back in I think 1990 to to take over as youth team coach how did that come about
3: I, I was I was always go back if I go back to my career a little bit when I was at West Ham John Lale was the manager at West Ham who was you know a, a football coach he was he was the head coach' we call it now at the, at the club and John I, I went from Airdrie 25 part-time player. Ran round the park five times on a Tuesday and a Thursday night, got a wee game, and then that was your training finished. Uh, John Lyle at West Ham opened my eyes to coaching. You know, how playing formations, what do you do when you've got the ball, what do you you do when you've not got the ball, just the basic parts of the game. But I really took the kind of you know, his ideas on board and I went, I quite fancy this. So when I went back up to Scotland the next summer, I did my I'd be twenty-six, I think, I did my my B licence with SFA. And I was back at Hearts playing a couple of years later when I did my A license. So I was kind of fully qualified as you can be in Scotland by the time I was I was 29. So I was, uh, did, when I got the, the Achilles injury at, at Hearts, uh, at I'm obviously out for a while. And then in, in between that time, uh, Wallace Mercer, for whatever reason, decided, you know, Sandy and Alec, it wasn't working. And he sacked Sandy, uh, which nobody could believe. But that's 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 life, and that's the way football is, and it happens. Uh, so Alec was left in his own. Uh, Walter Bothwick moved up from first team coach to assistant manager, and because I, you know, it worked well for me, I did my coaching badges, etc. My injury wasn't great. Alec asked me if I would like to, you know, can I take the reserve team, your team and and uh, how we go at that. And I was qualified for it, which was a major bonus. And uh, and how it all started. And, you know, I, I love my time coaching the young players at heart.
1: So a month after you returned in this role at Hearts, apparently Wallace Mercer called you and asked you to put a valuation on every player <laughs> in his First team. Um, is that right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus, Wallace! Mercer, you, just, I, I cry and I laugh about him. Honestly, he was uh, an entrepreneur, Wallace. He was brilliant. He was a brilliant man in so many ways. The uh, it's true, I 100 true. It was uh, what it was the end of the season. Walter, uh, and myself, we were in qua I think I'm not sure how you, you pronounce it in France which was a prestigious under-18 tournament and we're there with the, the youth team uh, and <laughs> the bold Wallace phones, uh, Walter and I, they said, right, I want you to put a value in, I'll send you a list, I'd a fax at the time, I'll send you a list and I want you to put a value beside every Hibs player. I can't remember who was, in that or who was on that list at the time. So, bit strange but on you go so you put a value on it as best you can and sent it back and I think you can you can carry the rest of the story from there that he's attempted to take over but 100% that was exactly what happened.
0: Sandy can I just read you the quote, um, sorry to interrupt Laurie that um, was from an interview that you did in the Scotsman 10 years ago when you were asked about valuing the players 120 grand was my top amount and 20 grand the lowest. No one got a high valuation because, quite frankly, I don't rate any of them. When I played, they couldn't beat us. They even had a few managers, but Alex McDonald was better than them all. We had a superior team spirit, a greater hunger, and few teams were fitter. Hibs were just not in our
3: class. <laughs> no. That's no changed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Present but day,
3: th- th- that was. I know somebody. Well, maybe as a bit close to today as well. The valuations might be a bit more, but that that was honestly how it was at the time. That's how I felt. You know, you know that time and it was happening. That, that I was very very lucky. That you know the the ten years. Of, I spent at Hearts. I think we only lost, we lost one game at Tyne Castle. You know, I'm talking about as a player, coach, manager. One game at Tyne Castle and one game at Easter Road over that period of time. So it was a good spell. It was a dominant spell for Hearts.
1: You'd end up taking over as first team manager in May 1993. You had some success with the youth team, uh, won the BP Youth Cup. There was the likes of uh, Paul Ritchie, Alan McManus, Kevin Thomas, Grant Murray, a certain Gary Locke, um, all involved in uh, how did the move from from your previous role assisting Alex McDonald, you know, managing the the younger players, to to jumping up to first team manager come about, and and was it quite a surprise?
3: Uh well, surprise. Uh, I'm not sure. Remember, in between that, Joe Jordan was a manager. You know, Alex McDonald yeah. had left, and uh, Joe came in, and with, with Frank Connor. Who I really enjoyed working with both of them, uh, and I was you know in the same role, kind of you know third coach if whatever you want to call it, uh, still involved with the young players etc. And uh, you know Wallace decided uh, you know that, that Joe Jordan wasn't wasn't happening and wanted a change. And at the time there was a lot I can have there was a lot of, kind of there was a. Lot of, uh, financial issues at the club at the time the, the, you know that togetherness that I spoke about earlier on when we Doddy was the manager and uh, that togetherness wasn't quite there in the same way there was still a lot of, you know there were a lot of good things but, but it wasn't quite on the same wavelength as it was before and uh, Wallace as chairman decided he would he would uh, he would sack Alec and, and Joe come in and then I uh, sacked Joe by that time sorry and you know, you, when I look back on it, I was there for a year as manager, and without a doubt, the Bold wall was in the process of trying to sell hearts then. Uh, and, you know, the, the, when I took over as manager, they asked me if I'd do it, and, you know, obviously I'm delighted to do it. Uh, the transition w- was fine. The the players that, that uh the young players that I had and and you know guys that I'd played with who were still players at the club, you know, total respect and understanding each other. So there wasn't any issues at all getting into the role. Uh but but the 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 bit that was interesting it, and it, it drags on a bit longer, but you know, my remit at that point in time was to, you know, I, I think I think it was reduced the the overdraft I think it was 750 grand or something and get the wage bill down by like 30% so that was my challenge and the the the, the way that we, you know with the hard season it was difficult a difficult season because of you know the, the, the budget part etc but the youth team that I had were exceptionally good there was a hell of a lot of good players there so that let me you know we sold Derek Ferguson to Sunderland I think it was 500 grand and uh, and it was that kind of figure helped me to, take, you know, Wallace Mercer to achieve what he wanted. So the 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 deficit was drawn, the wage bill was dropped quite a bit because we, we moved players on and brought in the young players at the club into the first team squad, and they found their feet. And it took them about a time, but it worked out. You know, ongoing. It was it was a uh, you know hearts. Did, you know, a lot of those young players developed into really top class players. Some of the guys you mentioned. So it was a challenging job and you know that, that was my my you know first real go at management. So it was a challenge, but I learned so much from it, it was frightening. And the you know, the end of it with the the changeover of ownership, which 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 again I'm, I'm I'm no daft. I knew I had an idea of something that was happening with it. But you just got you're just delighted to be, you know, the opportunity to be a manager of hearts and and go on with it and, and do the best you can and whatever harms harms and and Wallace sold and disappeared, and the rest is kind of history.
2: We got a good question from Twitter. From uh, I think it's a Brighteye04 who asked, "How difficult is it to manage players who used to play alongside you?"
3: Uh, easy, Ryan. If you if you've got a good relationship with them, that that you know you you know you, Ryan, you'll know the 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 honest players in your group. Yeah. You know, the ones that are up front fair with you, you got on okay with, you you know, there's a there's a mutual respect which has got to be earned from both sides. And I would I would like and hope to think that as a player and as a young coach, you know, I gave everybody, you know, a fair opportunity, explained things properly, earned the respect. So whenever I went in to be the the, the manager, it was it was fairly straightforward. And you know, I, I learned early on uh, one of the, the biggest factors are when, when you're dealing with, with players, it's never personal. You're, you're trying to be professional. You're trying to say, you know, I want you to stay because of this, this and this, and the player maybe wants to go, so he wants to, wants to go. And, and other, the other side, the horrible side, is when you're trying to move people on. You know, you're not you're no moving them on because you don't like them as a person. You're moving them on because you think it's the right thing for the club to get so, one player out and another player in. So if you've got the right relationship and there's never been any fallouts, then I think it, it, it works fairly well. Another bit of advice I got away back and I've tried to pass on to young managers as well is don't ever tell players lies. You know, sometimes don't tell them all the truth, but don't tell them lies. If you tell them a lie, it comes back to haunt you. And I was lucky that I never had to, to come across that.
0: BP Youth Cup final at, at Ibrox, is that the best group of... Young talent you've had the squad that the hearts beat Rangers with included Paul Ritchie, Alan McManus, Kevin Thomas, Grant Murray, Gary Locks, Stuart Callaghan,
3: and David Murray. I can remember, I think it was just before the, the cup final that uh, I, knew, I, I knew we had the best team, we'd played them all in the league but I knew we were better Rangers than Rangers and better than Celtic, and you know, the lot at the time. And uh, I remember Frank Colston, who I became really friendly with working with the SFA when I did a about, about the time there. Uh, Frank Colston was, was manager of the Scottish Under-18 team at the time. And I remember we had a couple of games coming up and I knew that Scotland had an international game coming up for Under-18. And I thought, I'm, I better check with Frank to see how many players he's taken away in the, the squad so that mm. I can uh, work out you know, what I've got left to play games. So I phoned Frank I says, Frank, how you doing? He says, I find Sandy yourself. Hi, great. Uh, quick one, Frank. I just, you know, can you tell me who you think you're going to take from my team in your squad so that I can organise games round about it? And he kind of, you know, kind of went quiet for a minute He went, uh, Sandy, I'm not taking anybody. And I went, what? He said, I'm not taking anybody. I went, okay. And just hung up. <laughs> and can you imagine the motivation I got out of that wow. with their players going to play Rangers at Ibrox? It was incredible. to say you know, the Scottish manager thinks you lot are not good enough. Half the Scottish teams playing against you the night at But how do you think it's going to be the night? The rest it mm-hmm. looked after itself. Absolutely battered. And it was, it was sad, that, you know, guys like Paul Ritchie and whatever, you know, went on to play for Scotland time and time again and else. So so they were they they got that, that group deserved the success they got. You know, brilliant uh, attitude and probably I was trying to kind of recreate what Alec McDonald was, mm-hmm. you know, was doing before that. Good spirit, but good players working for each other. Well,
1: what we'll do here, uh, Sandy, have got a few questions that we haven't mentioned yet from social media, so we'll try and fire through some of these before we we'll let you go. And the first one's quite pertinent because you're mentioning... Uh, talented players at Tyne Castle with you and jam tarted message saying who was the most talented player uh, you played with at Tyne Castle and who was the most talented you coached at Tyne Castle? if memory serves you brought a lot of the young boys through and for me Kevin Thomas looked the best of the bunch before injury
3: best I played with I've got to see Robo I've got to see Robo for the I played with a lot of... Good players, and I've given him a, a bit of stick, which, which I've said to his face a million times about you know <laughs> work a bit harder, etc. But as as a a now goal scorer, Robbo was amazing. Yeah, we just touch it, right foot, left foot, eighteen yards, twenty yards, two yards, fifteen yards. Didn't make any difference. Uh Headers for somebody small, timed his run so well, timed the jump, got real height on it, by headers. Uh, as a finisher. Absolutely incredible, and that's what wins your game. So, so Robbo's got to be my my the, the best one. I'll, you I'll, can I'll answer Robbo both, it. I, I
1: suppose. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, no, but but the uh, coaching, uh, you know, but but it changed Robbo for that. Robbo had all the bits before. I, I, you know, I couldn't teach Robbo a lot, you know, when I when I was uh, coaching and management. He he learned it all early on, and was really good at it. I'm trying to think. Uh, Alan Johnston, who I've worked with. Alan, Alan's one who came to Town Castle as a 16-year-old. As, as a and, uh, you know, he was he was so thin. Uh, uh, sticky was his, was his nickname. He was like a stick. Uh, and we laughed to this day on it that, you know, when I've worked with him a lot of times over the, the, the past eight or nine years, that, you know, in the gym doing pull-ups, you know he couldn't do any when at sixteen, and he's he's an absolute machine in the gym now. He just learned how to how to maximise his potential as a player, get yourself as fit as you can. I've got good ability, and that's why I became a top player. But he, he came with the one thing he had was was ability, incredible awareness of the game as a as a player. Uh, worked his socks off from you know, to get a bit stronger in the gym, more power, more strength, which gave him more pace and you know, lasting the games longer, all the, the scientific parts of football. But it does wee jank to go past people and encourage them to continually learn different bits and pieces. Pass right foot, pass left foot, cross for the left, cross for the right. And it, it took it all on board. And uh, you know, I am really, really pleased that I helped him, hopefully helped him a bit to to become a top player playing in, in France and then doing really well in England.
2: We've got another one from Scott McIntosh who says, Ask him if the police really did enter Easter <laughs> Road change rooms at half time in
3: 1990. Oh, that'd be the. the oh, that's great. The... Alan McDonald left to die. Uh, I think we're, we're winning 3 0, Mark. You'll know 3 0 after mm. f- 25 minutes. Yeah, it, was something a, like that. it was in the middle of the
0: takeover and the atmosphere was poisonous.
3: Aye. It was, it was, <laughs> it was absolutely minging. And the. I remember I was actually banned for the dugout, I had to, I, I remember <laughs> shouting from the Easter Road uh, director's box and getting told by somebody to, take, you need to sit down and shut up, I went nah, sorry, no doing it, <laughs> so just ca- carried on, so we're winning 3 now and, another, and they, did, they did, the police did come in at half time because they were going to abandon the game, they, they stopped it after, did they, did they stop it early? I was just it was half a point.
0: couple of pitch invasions, wasn't there?
3: Aye, I, I, I can't remember if we, I, I think we actually come off the pitch, Mark. I think we come off in the first half and then went back on. So I think I think that's probably the time he was talking about. Uh, I think I think if I remember right, the police actually came in and, and I don't know what they were asking us to do. All, all we were doing was playing, you know, playing <laughs> playing well to be fair, but you know, you kind of be you know criticised for that. The
0: I story goes that they asked you just to stop scoring goals
3: because <laughs> they were getting even I, more I, agitated. You took the words out of my mouth. I think they said to is going. Can you try and settle down a wee bit? And I went, I no bother. As soon as they were out, I went, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're, we're not having that.
3: <laughs> and, uh, excuse the language, but the the uh, but they did come in and it was actually it was toxic. You're right. It's a good word to describe it. It mm. was it was absolutely horrible. But it was a it was a brilliant result. It was a brilliant. Great day. What? And that's nothing to do with, with Habs. It could it could have been anybody. But
0: yeah. Once we knew you were you were coming on, I sent a message to a, f- a friend of the podcast who's been on before, saying that you were coming on, and, and did he have a question for you? So this is a this is a question from a Mark De Vries in the Netherlands, and he said, "Dear Stevie Wonder, how the fuck did Valois get man of the match when I scored four goals?"
3: <laughs> I'll be explaining this one lots of times. I
0: know. The,
3: De Vries wants to know why. Right, Mark De Vries, you should have got it. The, the reason you didn't was you'd only scored two with five minutes to go And I had to make that decision with five minutes to go in the game. And then you scored two goals later on after i made the decision. And I made a bigger fool of myself than anybody with that one, Matt. So I do apologise, but hopefully the explanation's there. Uh, And you did score four goals and you did do really well and you should have been man of the match. So I I, I can't, and and you're you're too big for me to argue with anyway. So I'll give you that one.
0: The last one for me, Sandy, would be 94-95. Robinson and Deans came in. Wallace went out. You went out as well. Tommy McLean came in. Who's the bigger gripe with? Is it with Chris Robinson or is it with Tommy McLean? It's it's it's
3: with it's with the Mark, But but it's you, you learn in life as you go along, and and I'll, I've I've learned a, a hell of a lot in my time. I've been naive a lot of times as well, but you learn about people that I'm talking about. Respect and 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 uh, and honesty with, with with people and the, the, the situation at Hearts was it was totally out of my control. I've said before, Wallace Mercer was trying to sell the club and he'd been trying to sell it for a while. And the year I was manager, I, I, I think at Christmas time, I think the deal was was just about done with uh, with the uh, uh, Robinson. And you know, I didn't know anything about that. But at the time, I remember it well. Uh, Tom McLean was, was manager of Motherwell and he was also a director of Motherwell. And it was a bit strange because you know, it's only when you look back and you, you realize what's happening with it. Wallace had sold the club, I don't know. Robinson's bought the club, I didn't know. I think it was, I think the, the, because it was a difficult year, I think the only, one of the conditions of the sale was that if Hearts got relegated, it was all off. So it, that you know that wasn't really going to hurt me anyway, but but that was a condition, so they couldn't. They had to wait till the end of the season before it all kind of transpired. Tommy McLean resigned as a director of Motherwell. You know, I don't know February March or something. End of the season, Tommy McLean resigns as a manager of Motherwell, where he'd been doing really well and a top class manager. I've got to say, brilliant at what he does. Uh, Wallace sells the club, uh, Robinson, and you know takes over, and uh, you know. He, he sacks me the kind of the first day or whatever, which, which is fine. If you want to buy the club, I've got no no broach with that. But Tom McLean knew he was coming in, and what Brett told me is, Tom McLean should have in some way got to me because Tom McLean was assistant manager at Rangers when I played there, so I knew him really well. Lots of respect for him as a person, as a coach. Uh, when I was there, uh, he should have got to me and and gave me kind of thumbs up somehow that this was there's a chance this was going to happen. Now, even if it's through somebody in the media, uh through a, a colleague and the coaching elsewhere that we both knew, I couldn't I kind of I would not have held that against Tom McLean. To, to be offered the, the job as a manager at hearts, don't say no to it, take it. And but it should have let me know first because I was totally shocked that you know getting sacked in a young family, uh bills to pay and then you're going, you're, you're wiped away from you right away. And the way he did it was horrible. And the way they stopped wages right away, just know the way hats do things. It was horrible. But Tom McLean should have let me know. And I'd have thought so much more of him if he'd done that. But for whatever reason, he didn't. And uh, such is life.
1: Right. Before I let you go, I'll, I'll, I'll lighten it a little bit. Um, Ragnar messaged and said, How nervous was the great Pele when he met the super Sandy Clark?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I remember that night well. It was it was 1989. uh, The under 19 World Cup was it? It was 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 Under 16s.
0: Under 16s. It was the one that the Saudis ended up winning, but Scotland (laughs) played Portugal in
3: the quarters at Time Castle. It was jam packed. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere. And I was at the game, obviously working as a coach at Harse at the time. So I'm at the game and Andy Roxburgh was involved. And Andy, I, I know well from my, my meetings with, and my work with SFA. So Andy's here and Pelly's representing FIFA uh, and he's at the game. And it was one of those meetings in the boardroom where Andy Roxburgh introduced us. And a nicer man you couldn't meet. Honestly, absolutely amazing. And anybody who knows football... You know, I'll look back and he, me as a kid, he was my absolute hero. Uh, the way he played, the goals he scored, the way he was, absolutely incredible. And to meet him was absolutely, you know, nothing better. I cherish that picture. It's a brilliant picture. A great man. Again, back to you know that that thing about football. It's not just the player; it's the person. You have to have the personality. Mm-hmm. And he he again, you know, was was a really really good person. You could you could you know you could just tell everything about him was 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 class quality. Look after people given as much time as you as you wanted. It was brilliant.
1: 1989, you're meeting Pele. 1989, also the year another footballing superstar was born, our very own Ryan McGowan. Now <laughs> he's 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 getting wow. on now though. He'll be 33 in, in August. Now you've since you retired, Sandy, you've you've done all sorts, you've you've coached, you've managed, you've done a bit of work with the BBC, so you've done the summarizing, you've done the TV work, the radio work. So for someone like Ryan, who's just about to maybe think about hanging up his boots over the next couple of years, what would you recommend? Well,
3: Ryan, the first thing is, you're too young. Play as long as you, you can. You. I wouldn't be the first person to have told you that. And the way you are, you, you know if your body's healthy. You know, I don't need to tell you. I know you're a really top player. Just play as long as you can. But if you're going to... know, it's you not
1: going yet, eat. Ryan. Ignore ignore him. Ignore the other one. (laughs) Such
3: (laughs) a dick thumb,
1: son. You (laughs) really are the the, uh, uh,
3: now play as long as you can. I don't know. What's your thoughts any have you done some coaching badges? Are you looking at that? Yeah,
2: possibly. Possibly. I I agree with you. I still think I'm a little bit too young, but there's Laurie that just wants to put that (laughs) dagger in. Just every every week he tries to get a little dig in just to make himself feel a little bit better. So he's he's got it into it's taken a little bit. It's taken over an hour for him to get it in but he's got it in <laughs> I, I just wonder <laughs> I, I
0: just wonder with, with ryan and sandy ryan how would you cope with a player like sandy uh and sandy how would you cope with a mobile defender a quick defender like Ooh. ryan if you were both don't leave him alone <laughs> jesus man just pretend you're a both right you're top the pit all of you Sandy, how are you coping with Ryan? How are you, how are you playing against him? And Ryan, yeah. how are you playing against Sandy? Well, Andy.
3: you're right, Ryan's mobile and quick. Absolutely no doubt about that. But you can't get out of corners all the time. There'll be <laughs> there'll be a chance to get, to get a little bit of a dig. <laughs> <laughs> it depends if you're talking 1980s rules
1: or, or not.
2: Weakness. I'd be saying the left-back's weak. Go over there, go over the
1: go
3: side. For
2: that. say that. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, you're,
3: a, you're a competed, Ryan. Don't worry about that. Healthy competition, you can't beat it. It's the best. Depends on the rules,
0: doesn't it? I mean, if it's 80s rules, Sandy, then it's a very different oh. game. Yeah, Market, very
3: it, it is, it is right. But if you're intelligent and you're cute, you can still there's a there's a happy medium, mother. There's still a contact sport. Yeah, true. And I I, I, watch, I watch big, strong players playing every week, and, I, and I've got nothing but respect. Keep the ball. Don't let the centre half near you. Lay it off. Win a header, then you're doing your job.
1: But Ryan's definitely cute, so I'll give him that. Praise <laughs> <laughs> there somewhere.
2: Jeez. Look at him sliming back in. <laughs> fashion, <good> books
1: <laughs> thank you for coming on sandy it's been it's absolutely super having you on and um some great tales of of the past and um how how are, how are things Are you got any plans for the for the near future then
3: I'm waiting for something to get sacked Horrible. <laughs> 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 that's that's the brutal way it is. It's uh, you know I I, I do lecturing at college which I've been doing for about twelve years, A couple of days a week, which I really enjoy doing. So I've always got something to you know to keep me occupied. I'm doing some coaching with some young kids in Glasgow as well at the moment with Ultimate Soccer, a good friend. of mine, George Parsons. So I'm uh, I'm I'm busy enough, Laurie. But I can't wait to get back. I, I'm 65. I keep saying it. I should be sitting in front of the fire with my slippers, but I'm not doing that. Hmm. I've got a wee bit to give yet, so hopefully get something soon.
0: Thank you for coming on, Sandy. We really appreciate your time.
3: It's it's a pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Sandy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sandy. Thank Thank you. Cheers, pal. I'll speak to you soon. Give my man. best to Liz. Okay, thanks, but see do. you soon. All the best. Cheers, pal. Bye bye. Cheers, Sandy. Bye. Cheers, guys.
1: So that was Sandy Clark uh, joining us on scarves around the funnel, and. As expected uh, mark very good value in some uh, terrific stories and great bit of reminiscing with uh, someone who was very successful in his time at tinncastle
0: yeah brilliant guest Sandy Clark was honest as the day as long as a player uh, like that as a pundit and uh, as a manager wasn't always the easiest interview as, as a manager if if he you asked the wrong question but well, that was down to the stupid questions he was asked and not down to him speaking from experience. Um, And as a pundit, uh, he speaks very well and can reminisce. And I I love the fact that he clearly has a lot of respect for Ryan, mentioned him a lot of the time as a current player and everything like that. I thought he was excellent. Some really good stories there and and hopefully a few stories that some people might not have heard before as well.
1: Ryan, quite funny. Uh, We kind of touched on it um, off air very briefly, but I did find it funny. Um, when Sandy was reminiscing about you know the, there's probably two Hearts legends in my lifetime that stand out there's been a lot but the two that stand out are uh, John Robertson and Rudy Scatchell. you'd probably say those are the top two in the last 30 to 40 years and when Sandy Clark talks about John Robertson it could easily be you talking about Rudy Scatchell.
2: 100% someone who's shorts are bright white and just jogs around and then the last minute pops up with the winner and gets man of the match and it, i'm singing his name after everyone else had been busting their balls <laughs> it, um did bring back some uh good memories but um yeah like you said you need those players that you kind of match winners and you and you don't mind uh putting in a few extra yards especially when uh really came on my side although before the game i used to do have my my doubts about uh, how much defensive effort I would get from uh, Sir Rudolph
1: some games. <laughs> Before we go, we know we've had Sandy on for quite a bit, so we don't have too much time to chat about much else. Um, thank you for people getting in touch. I mentioned last week we're in a bit of a podcast pre-season, so we're looking from uh, for some ideas, some feedback, some suggestions for the season ahead. We've had plenty so far. We will try and get into some of those over the next week or two. Um, this is just ideas you might have on guests we could have on the podcast segments anything you'd want to hear in the coming season so give us a tweet at around the funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk you can also get in touch with us um via those two methods with questions for our guests next week and i'm quite excited because it's a guest who we've always planned to get on and um we've had requests from a lot of you to get him on at some point a few of you in the last few days and it seemed appropriate, uh, a week Saturday, so next weekend, will be the testimonial for the biggest Hearts man going, the, the proper Hearts man, um, Gary Locke, of course, will be coming on the podcast to chat about his time at Hearts as a player, as a manager, as a supporter, as an ambassador, all the other jobs he's probably done in the last 40 years. <laughs> and he's also promised he will slaughter Ryan McGowan. Ooh.
2: Not a problem.
1: So I've been, not a problem. I've been, Bring it on. I've been stoking the fire. I've been, been,
0: been doubling up. up. You know <laughs> what that means, Laurie, don't you? You'll not, you'll not be on next week, Gauser.
2: You'll find an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I'm on next week for Big Lucky. <laughs> You've been hanging around for twenty years just to get a testimonial. No one wants. Everyone just thinks once he gets
1: his testimonial, hopefully we'll leave. That's the rumours <laughs> I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this, Mark. I mean, he's he's obviously uh, someone who every Hearts fan knows very well. And as Sandy mentioned as well, apparently knows every Hearts fan also. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just wonder if it'll come with uh, kind of audio assistance. A boy from Bonrig, a boy from Pennycook, Gowser and you from Musselburgh. This could be problematic for the English speakers
2: among you. <laughs> 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 oh, Lockie, what a guy I'm looking forward to it I actually really am um, It'll be good It'll be good to hear some of his stories From uh, way back And even in, from the coaching staff Because a lot of stuff Obviously with Carlo And that season It would it, have been good to get A little bit of an insight um, I'm going to try and get him To have a few beers beforehand So he's a little bit uh <laughs> <laughs> it lets a few things go but th- also knowing <laughs> Ducky, that that might not take much to, to,
1: I think he did to say he was, start
2: telling stories
1: I'm sure he said he was dropping one of his kids off somewhere just beforehand so probably hope he's not too, too oiled but maybe maybe get time we'll, we'll have a few as things progress and hopefully we'll, we'll have a nice light chat it so also yeah,
2: depend because uh, Bonnie Rig play Hibs on the Sunday so if Bonnie get a result, he might still be out. He'll be out. Yeah. That's true. That's very
1: true. Yeah. So we'll we we'll hopefully have Gary Locke on. If Bonnie Rig beat Hibbs, then we probably won't. Or we'll get live from um, I was hope I, I I hope I could get a Bonnie Rig pub off the top of my head, but I have not got any. Um but anyway, give us a tweet or give us an email at the usual um the usual addresses if you've got any questions for Gary Locke. We're looking forward to having him on next week. Thank you again to Sandy, and thank you to the, the guys for coming on again this week. We've ran into overtime, as they call it in Mark's neck of the woods, but I think it was worth it for the full-time yeah, result. Um, Sandy could probably probably still give Man of the Match to, to Mark DeVries at this point. We're not even into added time. Um, anyway, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week.